Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 124. new how are you greetings it's been a while i think it's been three weeks it might have been four i got a little lazy i think it's three i think i'm still maintaining my every three weeks i don't know i could go look but i'm not going to things have been good uh let's see wow yeah lots going on last weekend we had some friends visit nick and megan and henry and then Jesse and Derek and their daughter June came over. So we had June and Jane, which was very cute. They did some crafting together. They're almost the same age. And then, of course, we had Henry, who's older than them. He's 10. But we had Henry and June. So, you know, if you're an Anais Nin fan, that was kind of fun. Uh, yeah, we met the new neighbor yesterday. That's pretty exciting. They, they seem pretty cool. Only met the wife. The husband was on a business trip. But, you know, they're from New York. So they, 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 they're, they're not old. Half the neighborhood is retirees and half are not. So, you know, in our camp, younger than me, don't have kids yet. So, you know, uh, good times. Um, what else? What else? I went to New York. I guess that's happened since I last talked to you guys. Man, it's been a while, huh? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I went to New York for one day. It was pretty cool. I saw my friend Evan and my friend Flood and my friend Nicholas. I went to Dime Square. I did a fun pub crawl with a CO2 monitor and did not get COVID. Did not get COVID in any of these wacky things. Uh, I went to see Stereolab at Cat's Cradle. Did not get COVID. Uh, that's technically been a week today. So, yeah, I guess I made it. That's pretty cool. Um... We had a hurricane. It was pretty mild by the time it got here, but uh, knocked a tree over. I had to cut the tree up. That was pretty intense. Um, I want to split the wood with an electric hydraulic log splitter that I have in my shopping cart that I desperately want and can barely justify the purchase of, but it's very, very exciting. Um, yeah, I gave a lot of truck rides to all the visitors. That was pretty fun. Um, weirdly, my actual original pre-ordered F-150 Lightning has now been, they've, Ford has informed me it's going to manufacture in like a month instead of the nine to ten months they are telling me. So now I'm kind of annoyed I could have not bought this earlier truck at auction. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I might pass on it. I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. So that just happened last night. So I'm a little, a little, a little uh, caught off guard by that. Uh, I spent all day listening to the new Taylor Swift album. It's pretty good. Uh, I really like the Karma song. I wish she'd stop collaborating with Jack Antonoff. I very much like the three Aaron Destner songs on the bonus tracks of the 3AM edition and the Target CD edition a lot better than the songs on the album. This is kind of a recurring theme in my life, though. I have loved the bonus tracks of various uh, Taylor Swift albums, often more than the songs I make in the album. really like that song, Starlight, like we're made of starlight, starlight which I believe is a bonus track to Red or maybe New Romantics. I love that one, too. Oh, that's so good. Uh, there's a line in there that originally you think is dumb called the best people that says the best people in life are free. And then as the years go by, I think that line is more and more brilliant. A lot of Taylor Swift thoughts today. I did stay up till midnight to listen to the album, but I only got through three songs before I fell asleep because Aaron De uh, Jack Antonoff's production is so samey and boring. And I got to the Lana Del Rey song, and I was like, "You have Lana Del Rey and Taylor Swift, and this song could be a you know a Clyro song, a Lord song. It's just the same. It's the same. Why do you make everything sound the same? Why can't you write a ripping guitar solo? Why can't you? I don't. I don't understand, man. Why is everything the same tempo? It's really, it's a cool sound. I like it, but it's just, you know, it, he's, you got to mix it up, man. You mix it up in your own band. Your own band wants to sound like Springsteen. Why don't you make Taylor Swift sound like Springsteen? That'd be cool, but nope. It just sounds like Jack Antonoff. And she's really into it, and I guess that's fine. You know, some bands like to make the same album over and over again. I've been under the impression that Taylor Swift is all about reinvention and likes each of her albums to sound different. And I don't really know how you can pull that off when you got Jack freaking Antonoff around all the time. And then 
to have three Aaron Dessner songs and have them all relegated to the bonus tracks and not on the main album, that's just disrespectful, and I'm very upset about that. But, you know, there's enough to like, and I love her, so... We'll keep listening. I'm a little annoyed the vinyl hasn't arrived yet. I don't like it when albums come out and the vinyl isn't at your house. And you have to listen to the album on streaming service on the day it's released instead of the vinyl. So props to Merge Records. Because the new Archer's a Loaf album showed up on vinyl at my house two days before it came out. So that was pretty cool. Good job, Merge Records. Uh, Taylor Swift's new label could take a page out of their playlist. Play book. Uh, yeah, that's what's been going on in my life. Um, work, a lot of work stuff. Not this week, but last week was pretty busy with work stuff. Um, I had a rough time with Jane for a few days there. She, she's been really clingy, uh, at bedtime and it's been really hard. And then Emma and I had disagreements on how to handle the clinginess. And I was trying, I was having a nice zoom call with my friend in Portugal yesterday and, and I was like, you know, kids are just like this thing. They walk around and everything's fine. But at any moment, things can fly off the handles. And not just fly off the handle where, like, they're in a fit. Because, yeah, I know everybody knows that. But they could fly off the handle in a way that shows you suddenly there's a new aspect of parenting you'd not considered. And not only that, you and your parenting partner don't agree on the approach to it. So out of the blue, with no notice, suddenly you and your your partner might be in a disagreement. And not just a disagreement, but one that might re- is probably going to require or may well require long conversations, intense conversations. And those conversations possibly possibly might get into your own personal childhood traumas. It's just kind of crazy at any moment that could happen. You could just be sitting there watching, you know, uh, the good place. And all of a sudden, wow. now I have to have an in-depth conversation about my childhood traumas with my, my spouse in order to decide what we're going to do about this new behavior in our child. That's a lot, man. It's a lot, you know, <laughs> but she's good. Uh, we learned isosceles and we learned perpendicular, Uh, Today, I was teaching her about inference, infer and inference. Uh, She didn't really care about that one too much. She liked perpendicular a lot. Um, The other day, I realized I hadn't yet taught her what stringed instruments other than guitars and basses were. She knows what a guitar is and a bass guitar because there's a bunch on the walls. But she never, she didn't know what a violin was or a viola. And I was like, oh my God, you know, like this is a strong argument for sending them to school because we're definitely going to have blind spots in what we educate her with. Uh, yeah, viola. I was watching a new John Cale video. She's like, what are you watching? I was like, a new video from John Cale. And she's like, who's that? And I'm like, he's a man that was in the band called the Velvet Underground. He played viola. She was like, what's a viola? And I was like, my God, I'm a terrible parent. My daughter doesn't know what a viola is. How did I do this? How did we get here? How did we get here? But she's cool. Uh, it's Friday. Emma and her are off at the playground. It is a recharge day at my work. Although, in I think one or two more weeks, I begin my run wherein for the rest of the year, I use up all my vacation time by taking every Friday off for the rest of the year, which is just awesome. I love it so much. I did it last year. It's the great, greatest Started earlier last year because when January rolled around this year, I was like, I don't want to stop. And I took all the all the Fridays off in January, too. So I had used some of my vacation time. Also, we went to Boston for a month and I did I took a bunch of every day we traveled or switched houses or anything on that trip. I took that day off. So, you know, I took like five or six days off there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's good. Works good. Uh, gardening is good. We're mostly into fall mood. I've got the bok choy is coming along really nicely. The snow peas are coming along nicely. I got some fall cucumbers. They're doing really well. Lettuce, Napa cabbage, broccoli, carrots, beets, garlic, all in the ground for fall. Uh, I've cut back two pepper plants for overwintering the jalapeno and the shishito. The bell pepper plant is still giving out peppers and I'm really hoping I can get them grown. Um, I got some fennel in the ground still. I got some potatoes in the ground still. I got some tomatoes still given very, very slow, but they're still giving tomatoes out. I got the second batch of summer carrots. I need to harvest those this weekend. I need to plant the week this weekend, the wheat. I need to harvest the bolted summer lettuce. The fall lettuce is just about ready to start be picking. I got a couple pieces of celery that might make it. The corn came out pretty well. Uh, not quite edible. <laughs> I was, <laughs> it's hard to justify the statement that the corn came out well when you couldn't really eat it, but I could have eaten it if I had picked it sooner, but I didn't realize I messed up and broke my irrigation for two weeks and a certain segment of the 
garden was not getting watered and uh, it ruined some beets, no, some radishes and the corn. It all dried out. But they were ears of corn, fully full. And I think I can do it. Third time's a charm. Next year, corn. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm feeling it. I got the apple trees planted in the ground. I got the pear trees planted in the ground. I have not planted the blueberry bush. I've got a plan for what to do with the grapes and trellising, but uh, I'm going to hire my neighbor's crew. He's <laughs> He's got a work crew. <laughs> and uh, also, I broke the dock this weekend when we had friends over. I was standing on the dock on the pond, and my foot fell through. So I got to get the dock repaneled, uh, retopped, and the trellis is built, and I got one more project for his crew. Maybe two projects, actually. Yeah, you know what? I got another project for his crew. Um, so that's all happening, and then once the fourth project happens, which is like a pillar, I will get my EV charger installed, because I'm still plugging into 110, and it takes five days to charge my car, uh, but it doesn't matter. I don't really go anywhere. So, I mean, I do. I love my truck. It's awesome. That thing is great. It's a great purchase. I strongly recommend it. If you have the means, I strongly recommend it. It's so choice. Uh, yeah, gardening's good. Oh, the loofahs. I got some loofahs. They're happening. I got a watermelon. Uh, then the watermelon plant just died. Before we had a frost. We had a frost in the last two nights. That was weird. Uh, but luckily, I was ahead of the game, and most everything that would have been killed by the frost was already done. The watermelon just died over the week. Before the frost. I don't know what happened. It was really weird. And there's still a few watermelons growing on it, too. It's kind of a bummer. But, you know, I got a lot out of it. So, uh, yeah, gardening, man. It's a good time. It's a good time. Yeah, what else is going on in my life before I turn on to the media report, which is very long this week, this edition? Uh, you know, I mean, I put most of my effort these days into good morning, hello, how are you, the daily email, and so one thing I don't really cover in there is media, so it's kind of working out that the podcast is a little bit more media, and the, the daily email is a little bit more random stuff, the tech stuff, stuff like that. If you miss my old rants about Elon Musk or Meta or something, that the daily email is, is where it's at for you these days. But yeah, things are good. Things are good. I have been working on the Plex upgrade project, wherein I sorted my entire Plex movie library uh, from low to high on resolution, and I've been obtaining copies of all the movies that I had only in SD. I have a long way to go, but I have made a lot of progress. a lot of them I bought. I just been buying up a storm and then I sell them on eBay and they flip for like 70, 80% of the value in like a day or two. It's not too bad. So, you know, I'm paying when I buy one of these, you know, a DVD, 4K or Blu-ray, it's like 20 bucks, right? But in the end, I'm paying like $5 for each of these. So it sounds very decadent, but I feel like $5 for a permanent HD copy of a movie you love is a good deal, you know? So the ones I bought and ripped, uh, include uh the last movie the dennis hopper movie uh, these are all up on plex so any of these you want to see they're on plex in hd now uh if you don't have my plex and you want it just drop a line and i'll hook you up uh the last movie the dennis hopper road movie fantastic film bad news bears all six of the original star trek films uh the shatner ones <laughs> Uh, I bought the box set and uh, I resold it, but the disc five in the box set had a scratch on it. So then I separately bought Star Trek five on 4K Blu-ray again, thus making by my calculations the fourth time I have ever bought that film. I bought the VHS, the DVD, the Blu-ray, the 4K Blu-ray, oh, the fifth time I ever bought that film and the 4, 4K Blu-ray again. So five times I've purchased Star Trek five. It's not even a good movie, uh, but they've both been sold off on eBay now. Um, those are all, all those I've said so far. Last movie, Bad News Bears, Star Trek box set, Star Trek 5. Those have all been sold. Who Framed Roger Rabbit has been sold. Cannibal Run 1 and 2, uh, not sold yet. Avengers Assembled is not sold. I had this uh, Avengers box set of the 4K Blu-rays. I owned it for ages, and I ripped 1, 2, and 4 right away. It says Avengers Assembled. Yeah, because that's the name of the box set, Avengers Assembled. Uh, but disc 3 didn't rip, and it was a problem with my Blu-ray player that was like this old... like firmware flash thing I bought a couple years ago when I started this hobby and it turns out there's been radical improvements in this whole thing so I sold that thing on eBay I bought a new one 
from Pioneer that does not need flashing and it works perfectly. And it's just been, it's been a, a godsend. It's amazing. So if you're into ripping Blu-rays, uh, 4k, let me know and I'll send you the model number. It's on Amazon. It's a hundred bucks. It's cheap. And I got almost that much for the old one. So yeah. So anyway, uh, that was my test was Avengers assembled infinity War disc three was not ripping in the old one. We're no problem in the new one. Uh, heat. Awesome film. We talked about it a couple episodes back because I watched it for the first time and I bought it, ripped it, and sold it. Uh, Andy Warhol's Dracula in 4K, one of the best movies ever made. Fantastic film. Uh, Real Genius, Val Kilmer, 4K. True Romance is in 4K up on Plex. Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is in 4K up on Plex. The Peanuts Holiday Collections are up on Plex in 4K. Charlie Brown Christmas, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, and It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, all in 4K. And each one of them comes with two additional Peanuts animated television features in 4K. It's the Flash, it's Flash Beagle, Charlie Brown. It's Christmas Time Again, Charlie Brown. Play It Again, Charlie Brown. Mayflower Voyagers. I remember that one from when I was a kid. That was great. Uh, Charlie Brown's All Stars, and It's Magic, Charlie Brown, all up in 4K. You may be asking yourself. Do Peanuts cartoons look better in 4K? Can you notice the difference? Why didn't you just get the Blu-ray? Did you even need that? Weren't the old DVD versions you already had up there good enough? And I answer you, yes, you actually can tell the difference. They look very, very good. Uh, they also each come with a documentary making of a little documentary that's pretty cute. Charles, they're old. Charles Schultz himself speaks in each one of them, but it's cool. Um, yeah, I don't regret that purchase. And, uh, somebody else apparently agreed because they bought it on eBay within five minutes of me listing it. Uh, the Northman is up in 4k. That's been up there for a while. Uh, the lost boys is up there in 4k. Uh, Miss Julie, the, uh, what's his name? Mike Figgis adaptation of the Strindberg play starring Saffron Burroughs and the guy who plays, uh, James Delos and Durin, the King of the Dwarves in the Ring of Power. <laughs> I can't remember his name, but he's in all of those. Uh, that's just the DVD, so that's an SD copy. Uh, and the Until the End of the World, Five Hour of Vendors version, the DVD. I sold that as well on eBay, but I do have the Blu-ray HD version of that up on Plex, the Five Hour version. So you know, pick that up if you're interested. Other things that are up there now. Uh, Henry and June is now up there in HD. Speaking of Henry and June. River's Edge, the Keanu Reeves, Ioni Sky, Crispin Glover masterpiece is now up in HD. Antonini's Blow Up, now up in HD, I think, not 4K. Uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, the Russ Meyer, uh, Roger Ebert masterpiece, now up in 4K. Long Day's Journey into the Night, now up in HD. Uh, Oblivion. The Tom Cruise sci-fi movie up in 4K. I rewatched that. It's good. Many of the reviews said it makes no sense. It makes perfect sense. I don't understand why people are confused about that film. The plot is very straightforward, and it makes me really wonder what is up with the cinema-going community. And I wonder how Tom Cruise felt about it when all the reviews were like, this movie's really confusing. It clearly didn't stop him, because then he's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to make Live, Die, Repeat, a.k.a. Edge of Tomorrow. Not only is the plot confusing, I'm going to give it two different names. Uh, neither one of which the name that the book was named, but so I guess, you know, he blew it off pretty well. <laughs> he shrugged it off. He walked it off. That's another phrase I taught Jane recently. Walk it off. She falls down and she's when she's doing her parkour and she says, walk it off, walk it off. Like she's a football coach. I love it. It's hilarious. When we went, to, we went into town, we went into Chapel Hill. This is a Jane discursion. Excuse me. Uh, when Nick and Megan and Henry were here and there's this at UNC campus, if you've ever been there, the quad where the famous silent sta Sam statue used to be before they got rid of it. There's a low, maybe foot high, foot and a half, two foot high rock wall between the quad and Franklin street. And, uh, she's just walking on the wall and then she'd go combo and she'd jump off the wall and it's a pretty far jump. And then she would do a flip and I was just like, <laughs> she's just like walking in there. Like there'd be people walking on the sidewalk and she'd just jump in front of them combo. And then do a flip. <laughs> she loves parkour so much. It's the best. Anyway, moving on. Uh, who framed Roger rabbit half cocked. Uh, we can talk about this now. Yeah, why not? Half cocked. We talked about this last episode, perhaps two back, because I bought the vinyl of the soundtrack, Matador Records released vinyl soundtrack. I used to own the CD, uh, indie rock sort of holy Bible soundtrack from the early 90s featuring like Polvo and 
Rodan and Freakwater and Helium. It's great. I own the CD forever. I always wanted the vinyl. I finally got found a vinyl copy. I was very happy. I mentioned it to you guys. I wrote about it and I said I'd never seen the film and I really wanted to see the film. And several people wrote to me and said that the director has a really good Instagram. And so I started following him on Instagram and I discovered that the movie is available to watch and purchase on Vimeo. So I did that uh, and then I downloaded it and watched it. And Completely coincidentally, two other interesting things about this. The director, A, lives in Chapel Hill now. He used to live in New York. So that was kind of cool. I really want to meet him. Uh, he has he does have a very good Instagram. It's a lot of old photos of indie rock stuff. Um, so, you know, we get along really well. That'd be fun. And B, since in the last three weeks, since my half-cocked obsession started, maybe four, four or five weeks, the movie had a retrospective at the Nighthawk Cinema in Williamsburg, a block from my old house, and he went to it, and it was the night before I was in New York, so I couldn't go, but like, isn't that crazy? After all these years, I just randomly decided to get into Half Cocked, and then the guy that made the film lives near me, and the movie's experiencing a resurgence. I really called the zeitgeist on the Half Cocked one. Uh, anyway, it's a really good movie. It's really fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Tara Jane O'Neill is the lead. She's a, a musician in real life, and in the movie, she learns to be a musician, and I just liked it. It's in black and white, 16 millimeter, uh, so, you know, I don't have an HD copy, but it doesn't really matter. It's in 16 millimeter. I would love to see the film grain a little bit better and stuff, but, you know, you don't really, you don't really notice. Um, but yeah, great movie. Very happy, very happy with the movie. Uh, James Murphy of LCD Sound System has a very brief cameo in the film. And it really took me back, man. All the music, uh, Ian Savonius from The Makeup uh, and Nation Ulysses, uh, who flamed out spectacularly in the Me Too movement and self-immolated by saying, you're right, I was terrible, I should, I don't deserve anything, just ignore me, and laid completely low until weirdly yesterday when he appeared in a picture on David J. from Bauhaus and Love and Rockets Instagram. It's Ian Svavonius week here, I guess. Uh, anyway, that was weird. And yeah, it's a good film. I recommend it. Half cocked. Um, then the Star Trek films, Dumbo, the original Dumbo is up there in 1080p now. Uh, Avengers Infinity War, real Jesus, last words. Uh, Serenity, the filmic sequel to whatever that great Joss Whedon show was. Firefly is up there in 4K. All the Harry Potter films are up there in 4K now. Speaking of problematic people, J.K. Rowling went off and wrote a really stupid editorial this week in the New Times New Scotsman. I don't remember what it's called, some newspaper in Scotland. It was really awful. I don't want to talk about it. She just continually bums me out, and she really likes it. Uh, somebody wisely said that knows her. I think it was uh, Jules Holland. I don't know. Somebody like that. One of those English night, late night people said that she just likes to sh talk shit on Twitter. She's very into it. And I'm just like, God, those people just ugh, can't deal. Uh, anyway, uh, Scandal, the... Uh, not the television show, the film that came out in the 90s about the Profumo affair is very, very good. I always loved that film with John Hurt. Uh, that is in 1080p. Uh, the Image, the 1970s erotic masterpiece, is up there in 1080p. Sting's Bring on the Night is up there in 1080p. I'm rewatching that right now. I'm in the middle. I hope to finish it today. It's really, I have a lot of feels about Sting's Bring on the Night. It's a shame I didn't finish it and I can't talk about it this, so I guess you just have to wait for three more weeks for all my feelings about Sting's Bring on the Night. And by then, I won't even remember it. But, uh, you know, that's up there if you miss early period Sting solo. Damage, the Jeremy Irons, Juliet Binoche sexual thriller is up there in 1080p. And A History of Violence is up there in 1080p. Uh, all of those were bought. Yeah. Oh my God. There's so many more. Uh, <laughs> Heat already said that Thor 11 thunder up there in 1080p and no, oh, in 4k have not sold that one yet. Bram Stoker's Dracula is up there in 4k. The Coppola version. I am not going to sell that. I'm going to keep it. Bilitis uh, is up there in 720p. It is a 1970s coming of age erotic thriller. No, not thriller. Just, one of those young people have sex for the first time kind of trashy 70s sex romp kind of films. It's great. Lots of smeared lens uh, diffusion and people rubbing bodies but not doing anything. Not porn, but, you know, 
a lot of boobs. Let's put it that way. Uh, Les Mille et Une Perversions de Felicia is up there, which seems to be the same thing. I haven't watched it yet. And Made in Sweden, another one. I found a bunch of films by this one director, the guy that made the image, actually. And I was like, I'll download these. And so I did. They're all up there. That's not true. I didn't download them. I purchased them off of Amazon. <laughs> I don't know why. They recommended them to me. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I get like a lot of money. I buy everything on my Amazon credit card. So I have a lot of free points money, like 300 bucks a month or something on Amazon. So I was like, I'll buy a bunch of dumb Blu-rays. So those are all up there. Uh, and then the perils of Gwendolyn in the land of the Yik Yak, which turned out to be a fantastic film. 80s weird sex film. The last film made by Justin Jakin, the director of the image. And uh, it's like a weird sci-fi, very racist Asian adventure film. It takes place in like a mythical land. It's You know, I say it's very racist, but honestly, the land is basically karmatage from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So if it's racist in The Perils of Gwendolyn in the Land of the Yik Yak, it's, it's probably racist in the MCU as well. <laughs> Has anybody ever drawn comparisons between Gwendolyn and the Land of the Yik Yak? And the MCU before I ask you. That's the kind of original content you get here on the Web Chatham Report. Whew. And then uh, the story of O, two. <laughs> the story of O, of course, is a famous erotic novel. There's a pretty decent 70s adaptation of it starring Udo Kier, one of the finest actors of his generation, who's also in uh, River's Edge. No, he's not in River's Edge. He's in uh, the other one that... The other weird Keanu Reeves movie from that time. My own private Idaho. And he's in Andy Warhol's Dracula. And he's in Andy Warhol's Frankenstein. And he's in a lot of other films. The guy's amazing. Udo Kier. But Story of O2 is not made by the same director. And it not, does not have the same actors. And it's just sort of... I, I haven't watched it yet. It's only like 80 minutes. But it seems to be literally a made-up film-only sequel to O's life after the events of this famous book. Which is kind of awesome. In a weird way, it's like if somebody, you know, made a sequel on their own to like uh, Great Expectations or something, <laughs> you know? except also Erotica. I'm glad people took the time to do that. So, yeah, those are all up there. That was a lot. On the vinyl front, not a lot of vinyl. I have definitely gotten my act together a little bit, but I got some. I'm not going to lie. Some stuff has come in. Uh I bought the Dead Can Dance Toward the Within. Uh, I already had it on vinyl, and I did not mark it as something I owned, and I messed up, and I bought the, um, what are those expensive editions? The ones that just had the big scandal around it, you know, the direct to tape, whatever they're called. Anyway, I got that. Uh, I got two very cheap Leica 12-inch singles, Leica being sort of like the band after Moonshake from Guy Fixin. It's sort of like a dubby dance band with a cool female vocalist, Margaret Fiedler. She has a good Instagram, by the way. Uh, and I owned everything they ever put out on vinyl except these two 12 inches. So I bought them both the Black Cat Bone 12 inch and the Almost Sleeping 12 inch. They're about like $4 each. Feel very good about that. Complete collection. Uh, this month's Vinyl Me Please record of the month was Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska, which is awesome because I did not own a copy of Nebraska and I really like that record. And it's a great pressing. Very happy with that. Uh, there's a new Lou Reed album. Uh, it's old. It's called Words and Music, May 1965. It is the album of the copyright demos that he recorded to copyright the song. So it'd be like pale blue eyes, words of music by Lou Reed, May, 1965. And then he plays a solo acoustic, otherwise previously unavailable version of pale blue eyes. For example, it's great. I really love it. I'm very happy with it. It came out on light in the attic records. Uh, it's awesome. And it makes me really miss Lou Reed. I really love that guy, man. I love this curmudgeonly metal machine music era. I luckily got to see one Lou Reed solo show where he played, 15 minutes of metal machine music once that was awesome i also saw lou reed's last appearance on stage ever uh which was at a metric show at radio city music hall i got to see him do my favorite lou reed song uh last great american whale uh, i can't remember where that show was i got to see him a fair number of times through the years um i was sad to see him go the last song he ever did live was pale blue eyes in case you're wondering he died like four days later 
Uh, I got the new Archers of Loaf, Reason in Decline, on vinyl, ordered it from Matador Records. I fucking love Eric Bachman. I love Archers of Loaf, and I love this record, and I'm listening to it all week. It's really great. Uh, he's been putting songs out from it for a while. One of them, like a year ago, he put out as an Eric Bachman solo song, and then the album didn't come out, and I was like, what's up? And my friend used to play in uh, Crooked Fingers, his other band, so I texted her. I was like, what's up with Eric Bachman? Is he putting out a solo album? He put out that song, and she's like, I don't know. And then a day later, they announced it's Archers of Loaf records. So I was like, aha. And she's like, well, that explains why I haven't heard because <laughs> I'm not in Archers of Loaf. I'm only in Crooked Fingers. So anyway, that is a great record. Strong recommendation. Reason in decline. I got the karate box set off of Numero. Uh, three karate albums and a 12 inch uh took a while to listen to it all but i listened to it all it's beautiful packaging great booklet great box one of those numero editions very into it uh as many of these numero oh actually let me pause before i make this claim yes okay the claim is in fact correct i had to go look in the actual liner notes of the box set because it's not on discogs yet but it was mastered by my old friend jeff lipton at peerless mastering in boston the preeminent extraordinary mastering engineer who uh, has done a lot of these Numero records re-releases, which is how I actually got into Numero ages ago. He did the Sile Johnson box set and sent me a copy. Uh, he mastered all the Rockets albums back in the day. I did not have a master of the Defective Frequency album. And then after I made it, I was talking to him. He's like, man, I would have made I was like, you're too big now. You're too expensive. He's like, I would have done that for you. And I was like, oh. So I often dream of making yet another album just so I can have Jeff Lipton master it again. But he did the karate box set and it sounds fucking awesome. So I got that. And uh, also when I ordered that from Numero Group, uh, I had ordered this ages ago. Uh, but I accidentally clicked the button of ship it together to save on shipping, which I never click. I don't do that. But I did this time. And so the coding record, uh, Dasau, the long lost coding record Codeine, C-O-D-E-I-N-E. Makes me think now there should be a band called Coding, C-O-D-I-N-G. There probably is. Uh, anyway, back when Chris Brokaw of Come was still in Codeine after the first album, The White Birch, they went to Dessau, Germany to record a second album, and they did a session, and it did not work out, and Chris left the band, and they forgot about the session. The band went on to make other great records, and Chris went on to do other stuff, but they, re they found the recording, and they released it this year, and it came out, like, I don't know, in April or something, and I had pre-ordered it, and I was like, where is my copy? And I was all annoyed. But uh, the reason it didn't ship is because I had clicked that button, so it didn't ship until the Karate Box set shipped, so I got them both in the last three weeks. Uh, the Codeine album is awesome. I always like Codeine a lot, and uh, I saw them a bunch. I think I saw them with Chris in the band, because I saw the White Birch Tour, but I don't know. I should ask him. Um, and Jeff Lipton mastered that one as well, so great job to a new Jeff Lipton joints up in the house. Other albums I listened to in the last three weeks. One I forgot last week was an album called Preacher's Daughter by Ethel Kane. That was really good. Uh, very solid. Ethel Kane. I don't remember what it sounds like, though. <laughs> I should listen to it. Oh, my God. I'm looking through this list, and I did not put any notes next to many of these bands. And I'm probably not going to be able to tell you what half of them sound like. Which is really not very good for a podcast about media criticism. <laughs> S.G. Goodman, Teeth Marks, Female, Folky, Country, Moody. That was a great record. Alieska, Crush. Okay, Alieska is a band. Uh, it's not a band. It's a soloist, and she has since changed her name back to her real name. Let me look it up. Right. Okay. Alieska is a ski resort and mountainous area to the south of Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, and this woman's real name is Alaska read she's not from alaska so two alaska references in her life but she's not from alaska but it's a good record crush uh she's super cute she has a ton of albums under her name alaska reach i haven't read i haven't listened to any of them yet though uh i don't think so unless i mentioned one to you in a little bit and now i've forgotten about it but i don't think anyway i don't see it on the list um but yeah i liked it i liked it a lot i'm gonna listen to more of her but i basically had caught my eye because of alieska and the alaska connection uh, Ice Age, Shake the Feeling, Outtakes and Rarities, 2015 to 2021. I love Ice Age. I love their last album. Some of these are really good. You know, it's spotty as Outtakes and Rarities are. Some are more middling, but the good ones are really, really good. Finally got around to listening to the new Beth's album, Expert in a Dying Field. It is awesome. I saw some friend of mine post from a live show, and I just, I would love to see the Beth's live. They just look like they're so good. 
Beth Orton has a new record, Weather Alive, and it was awesome. Very into it. Uh, she made it at home, and it's like, you know, it's like a Beth Orton record. It's folky, but it's electronic, but it's it's a little, you know. I mean, saying glitchy or dubby is taking it too far. She's just always had a little bit of a cool electronic sort of thing to her folk, and I really like it. Uh, Maya Hawk, who was one of the actresses on Stranger Things and is the daughter of Ethan Hawk, but actually made a really great record called Moss. It's, you know, moody emo girl uh, songs, but I'm into it. Uh, and I say girl songs as a genre, and I'm not calling her a girl, but, you know, you know, the feelings that you have when you're younger. <laughs> says the 50 year old man i do not mean to be calling a grown woman a girl i'm not implying that uh built to spill when the wind forgets your name finally listened to the new built to spill album it's better than the last couple built to spill albums i read the pitchfork review and they're like is he just giving up he still makes good songs but i feel like he's giving up and i kind of wonder too i kind of want to see him live again it's been a while so i'm a cat's cradle since i moved here so you know within the last seven years but uh i'd like to see him again just see what's up that one i went to was he was doing keep it like a secret in its entirety so that didn't really count uh rena sawayam hold the girl i've listened to a bunch of rena sawayam now she's this gorgeous ex-model uh i think she's pakistani but she, you know she's english but you know i think pakistani descent i'm gonna look this up well, Japanese English, <laughs> not even close. Uh, I first learned about her because she did a collaboration with Charlie XCX. Here writing about her, she's very, very overhyped. I had a lot of hopes for this album, Hold the Girl, and I did not really like it that much. So it was kind of a disappointment. Uh, no Age has a new album called People Helping People. Sounds like all the other No Age albums, if that's your thing. I kind of liked it, and I used to see them live a lot, and it made me kind of miss them. I hadn't thought about them in a really long time. Uh, Worshipper, Light in the Wire. I believe that was a metalish album, if I recall correctly. <laughs> and I think I learned about them from KEXP, but I think I did not really enjoy that record. But I could be wrong about all of those things. A band called Automatic, the album called Excess, I have no recollection of whatsoever. Uh, the new Lamb Chop, out on Merge Records, Chapel Hill Hometown Heroes. Uh, the album is called The Bible, and it was awesome. I've never been a giant Lamb Chop fan, and I only got into him two or three albums back, but I'm very, very into it now, and it very much fits a, it's moody, it's a little a little folky, but it fits a little sophistipop, fits on my W Hotel compilations a little bit. Uh, this one is definitely more introspective and quieter than other Lamb Chop albums, but yeah, it was really, really good. I gave the new Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs uh, a spin, and the new Bjork a spin called Cool It Down and Fasora, respectively. I did not really care for either one of them. I really like the singles on the Yeah 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 as an album, and I thought a couple songs had some potential, but it just didn't really it didn't really click for me. And the Bjork album just went right through me. I didn't even I, nothing registered. I gave it two listens too, and I was just like, yeah, it's a Bjork album. I don't know what it is. I don't. It's, it's kind of sad. But then the other day, Jane was like, "Who's Bjork?" And I was like, "Ooh yeah, who's Bjork? Let's talk about it." And then she got really into Bjork, and I got really into Bjork, but not the new record, I guess. I better be awesome live though. I had this problem with. Um, not Vespertine, the one after that. But anyway, I saw it live at Roseland Ballroom, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is fucking awesome. I don't know why I wasn't really into this. <laughs> uh, the Pixies have a new album called Doggerel. There's one really good song on it. You know, Kim's still not in the band, so it's basically a Black Francis solo record. But uh, there is one really good song on it. I will give it that. Oh, the new High Viz album, Blending, is awesome. They're on Deus Records. They're kind of a punky band. They've been putting out a sing series of great advanced singles, one of them called Talk for Hours that I just loved. And it, they're kind of like in the jawbreaker vein. And I really, really recommend it. Blending by High Viz. There's a new Melvin's album. It's called Bad Mood Rising. Good name. Good pun. Uh, and I remember it was being pretty good, but I didn't really, it didn't, nothing really stuck with me on it. Uh, new Titus Andronicus, The Will to Live. Interesting band. Great songwriters. I like his voice. I've seen him live a few times, including at that Vice party at that warehouse. Their anniversary party, 10 year maybe? I don't remember. And they're awesome live, and they played here at Cat's Cradle, and I didn't go. And the album's good, but it's not as good as all of those things should be. And I'm listening to it, and I, I think it's the production. I think they need a better producer. I think this is kind of a cliche to say, 
but I think they should go to Steve Albini because it just feels a little bit more overproduced than the raw rock of his vocals and the music and the intensity or whoever produces Japan droids. That would do them. That would serve them well. I feel like they are ill served by their production. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but that's my thoughts about Titus Adronicus. Uh, Flaming Lips, Flaming Side of the Moon, live at the Funny or Die 2014. Uh, I found this on YouTube. I was playing with Jane, and it's like a live them doing all of Dark Side of the Moon. And it was great. Very, very into it. 36 uh, is the name of the band. The album is called Distance is Power. It's gothy ambient. Very, very good. If you like gothy ambient, and I very much do. Uh, like, let's say, Etant Donné or uh, Dead Voices on Air would be two of the bands closest to this 36 band. Yeah, boy, <laughs> that was a deep cut. Okay, uh, Desmond Doom, Surf Goth, strong recommend. <laughs> Surf Goth, good times. It's uh, exactly what you'd expect out of a song called Surf Goth. Uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco, the deluxe edition, the four LP version. We talked about this last episode because I had obtained it, but I hadn't listened to it yet, so I listened to it, and it was good. But man, I really now regret buying the set. Not I regret not buying the seven LP set because there are whole mixes of the album I don't have, and the, the most fascinating thing about this is listening to all the different mixes because that album is such an enigma of mixing and and arrangement, and and I love hearing these songs in different ways and all the different lives they could have had, and it's very fascinating. But uh, I'm happy with the one I got, and it's great. And the remastering is great. I wonder if Jeff Lipton did it. Let's look. Wall knows mastered at Abbey Road. Well, good for them. <laughs> Presents for Sally, all lowercase. Uh, colors and changes. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, lately, when I make a playlist for my daily email and I make a shoegaze playlist, I actually have been paying attention to the band's that Spotify recommends me because there's just so many good shoegaze bands these days. And like, I don't have, I have, you know, I have a couple friends, Bill, and a couple other people that are into shoegaze, but I don't get as many shoegaze recommendations as I get other stuff. So I've been, you know, I've been trying to make the Spotify algorithm work for me a little bit and uh, it's been working. So I discovered this band presence for Sally and it was really great. And then uh, a band called Kraus K R A U S. So the album is called view no country. Also, a recommendation from Spotify and then another one much later. Where is it? The stargazer lilies. Oh my God. So good. Akabot. O C C A B O T. Oh my God. So good. So good. Stargazer lilies. They have a new album that came out this week. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm very into stargazer lilies. You should check them out. Strong recommend. Uh, Resplendor is the name of a band <laughs> that I listen to. And the album is called Tristeza. I have no recommend. Let me, let me just go listen to that real quick. Oh, yeah. Okay. More good shoegaze. Resplendor. Tristeza. It should have been obvious on the name Tristeza. That's such a shoegaze name. Uh, great record. Was into that one as well. Uh, Freeze Pop. My old friends and my maid of honor and best man at my wedding and my partners in the Arch Enemy record label have a new maxi single out called Babes. And I listened to all the mixes and B-sides of that. It is album length. It was great. Uh, Fujiya and Miyagi have a new album out called Slate Variations. Uh, I was used to be really into this band and I saw them alive a bunch and I really like the way they stand there and they just kind of sway back and forth and they're really fun and it's a great record. It's sort of like a little mid-tempo-y, but it's sort of like, uh, it's great. I was really into it. Dancey, Japanese, like mid-tempo rock. I guess you could say, uh, Gila band, G I L L A. I don't know if that, I mean, Gila monster is only one L, right? So I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, uh, most normal heavy rock, very into them. Very good. They have something new out today on Spotify as well. Gila band. Don't know anything about them. Don't know where I discovered them. Uh, Michaela McRaven in these times. I found that boring. I don't remember why I listened to it. Michaela McRaven. There was a reason. Let me look it up. Well, I just read his whole Wikipedia page, and I can't tell you why I listened to that, but uh, I didn't really enjoy it. True Faith, uh, they can always hurt you more. Ah, so good. Thank you, Bill. This is a Bill recommendation. Gothy, Dias Records-y, just fantastic. Very derivative, but right up my alley derivative. True Faith, I mean, come on, the name of the band is True Faith. That's just fantastic. Uh, Magic Shop, another recommendation from Bill. Uh, Patty Hearst EP, as in the car, not as Patty Hearst. Uh, 
Also noisy, or also gothy and noisy from Bill. Great record, Magic Shop, S-H-O-P-P-E. Sam Precop of the Sea and the Cake has a new album out, and it is called The Sparrow, and it is an ambient album, and I very much enjoyed it. Uh, Gloria de Oliveira and Dean Hurley, Oceans of Tynum. That might be time. Uh, anyway, it's on Sacred Bones, and it's moody and atmospheric, and I really, really liked it. It's very, very pretty, Gloria de Oliveira. And uh, I think I picked that one up from the Sacred Bones YouTube, but I really enjoyed it. Always, with two Vs, A-L-V-V-A-Y-S, has a new album called Blue Ray, R-E-Y, and it's great. If you like that band, they have delivered a fantastic new album. Uh, you know, anthemic, a little gothy, a little pop, a little churchesy, a little uh, shoegazy, very into it, uh, always. Use Knife, uh, this came, oh, this is a great record. My friend Amy, I used to work with her, she recommended this one. It's called The Shedding of Skin, and it's like kind of gothy, kind of Depeche mode It's like kind of Eastern European-ish. It's cool. I really like it. It's weird. It's, 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 it's got a lot of variety to it. Use Knife, The Shedding of Skin. I recommend it. Uh, the Stargazer Lilies, I mentioned that. Aquabot, Oxabot. Plastic Mermaids. It's not comfortable to grow. Plastic Mermaids is famously the band that Rian and Hester from Wet Leg left, and there seems to be some bad blood, and I think the main guy in Plastic Mermaids was Rian's, Ryan's ex-boyfriend, and they both seem to be singing songs about each other, and it's all very awkward, but at the core, Plastic Mermaids is a band, and it's actually a really good band, and I'm actually really into this new album. I'm not taking a side. For all I know, the guy is a total asshole, but it's a great record, and I'm into it. Alaska, Alaska is the name of the band. All caps, one word, Alaska, Alaska. So in the middle, there's only one A instead of two. Uh, the album's called Still Life. It is uh, in some ways a lot like Laika, that band I mentioned before. It's got like complex, repetitive rhythms and synths and, and a little bit of jazz and a little bit of drone. And it's like a little manic and it's got some cool vocals. And uh, I really like it. It was really good. Uh, the Brat, straight out of East L.A. <laughs> Henry actually recommended this. Uh, my friend Nick's 10-year-old son. They're a female-fronted L.A. punk band, and they were great straight out of East L.A. Great record. Really into it. Thank you, Henry. Uh, Brian Eno has a new record out called Forever and Ever No More. All one word, all caps. Uh, it's awesome. It's been a while since Brian Eno has put out a solo vocal record, and... It makes me very happy, and the guy's 71 years old, and the record's awesome, and I don't know how many more of these we're going to get, so, you know, very excited about that. Bill Callahan has a new album called Reality, in all caps, backwards, so, you know, Y-T-I-L-A-E-R with the L and the E and the R backwards, and one of those clever using characters on the keyboard thing, that's just tedious, but uh, the album's really good. Uh, Bill Callahan, man, that guy just gets better and better. He used to be kind of a lazy songwriter, and now he's like legitimately clever and brilliant. And uh, I'm really into it. Michael Meyer, Immer. Oh, Michael Mayer, Immer. Yeah, this is the mix. Uh, my friend Colin, this is a famous sort of minimalist electronica drony mix that everybody is a seminal mix. I never heard, had listened to it before, so I gave it a listen. It was really good. It's on YouTube. Uh, and then I got really into the Emmy Lou Harris, Linda Ronstadt, Dolly Parton collaborations of the 90s that I did not know about called Trio and Trio 2 and they're so good man <laughs> oh my god did you know about these did you know that Emmylou Harris Linda Ronstadt and Dolly Parton made two albums together and they were just both fucking amazing I did not know this they're really good check them out they're called Trio and Trio 2 and then the Taylor Swift album this morning so that is all the music I listened to in the last three weeks new albums it's been a lot it's been a lot. Television, She-Hulk, batshit finale. A lot to like about it, a lot to hate about it. Uh, took some swings, and I really respect that. It took some risks. Good for it. Uh, my wife really likes it, so, you know, some people might really like it. Rings of Power finale, I enjoyed very much. Very excited for second season. The showrunners said a lot of people probably expected everything that we're doing in the second season to happen in the first season, but I don't really mind. I want this to be slow. I'm very happy. A little bit bummed it's going to be like two years until there's another season, but, you know, that's how long it was between Lord of the Rings films, and we all put up with that, right? So, you know, 
into it. Also, that gives time for the haters to forget about it. That's kind of my theory about the whole thing. Uh, Resident Alien. Hilarious, weird sci-fi comedy. I am enjoying it very much. I don't think the season's over, but there hasn't been one aired in a couple weeks. I don't really know what's up with that, but uh, it's fun. And if you haven't watched it, check it out. House of the Dragon. What is there to be said? I mean, it's well done. It definitely suffers from being created from a more minimalist work of fiction than Game of Thrones. So, you know, nuances and asides they have to make up. And then there's debate about canon versus like when you're making Game of Thrones, you could just pull something that there's a whole chapter on then and make it a little Easter egg for the readers and people love it. And so people, you know, it's a different mode of judging it, but we're all conditioned to judge it the way we judged Game of Thrones. So that must be hard for them. Uh, It is you know, all the acting is fantastic. Uh, I am curious enough about what's going on that I keep watching. And I won't say it's missing something because I never loved Game of Thrones as much as everybody else. I thought it was fine, and this is fine. So I, it's good. I guess I'll keep watching. I'm curious to see who wins, and I like how many more dragons they have. In it. And Matt Smith's awesome. I mean, he's just awesome. Star Trek Lord Dex, perhaps the finest show ever made. <laughs> It's hilarious. If you're a Star Trek fan, you really should be watching it. It's just great. Last few episodes have been brilliant. One of them was very, very weird and really out there, but in the end kind of worked. And uh, it's the lowest rated episode of the entire series, but I thought it was brilliant. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we watched Junior Bake Off. That finished. And now we're watching Great British Bake Off. Uh, We watched the Mexican episode last night. That was hilarious. I brought joy to my heart, really. The the old pink-haired lady, the way she peeled that avocado just, just made me so happy. Uh, Rings of Power. Andor. Oh, my God. If you're even remotely a Star Trek, a Star Wars fan, watch Andor. It's the best thing that's ever happened in the entire Star Wars universe. Is that hyperbole? I don't think so. I think it's really good. I have not felt this emotional about anything in Star Wars in decades. It's just intensely good filmmaking and very good acting and topics and and directions that are not done in star Wars. It's just astonishing. It's unlike anything else. It's, it's so good. Uh, then we're watching Anne Rice's interview with the vampire, which I am actually very much enjoying. We've watched four episodes so far. Eric Bogosian's great. The guy that plays, uh, Louis is very good because, you know, just like the original interview with the vampire, this is technically a sequel, but not really. You'll see, uh, but it has present day in the past, and he plays both of them very well, and it's very well done, I think. I think. And the Lestat's much better than Tom Cruise Lestat. A little bit campy at the beginning, but that's okay. Unabashedly gay, which is awesome. They aged Claudia up, which is unfortunate, but probably necessary. They brought it a little bit forward in the future that I think is a little weird, but you don't really notice or think about it, except for now that I mentioned it, you will. Um, but it's probably more faithful to the original than the Tom Cruise version. So, you know... I like it. A lot of people don't like it. I don't know what people are expecting. Some people just get, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, we all have what, you know, being generous, we all have a vision in our head. And if the remake doesn't match that, we can get upset. But I'm not really like that. Uh, Speaking of which, today, Friday, this evening, uh, William Gibson, the peripheral on Amazon, the woman they've cast to be her is nothing like the one in my head. But I'm going to give it a shot and I'm hoping it's good. Uh, Rick and Morty, we're caught up now. That, is, that show is going on. It's crazy. It's it's just so much. Uh, like it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. And you know, they remember previous episodes. The writers, because they wrote it. The characters, because they lived it. But like that shit was like five years ago for me. I don't rewatch these. You know, like I have to go like look up the callbacks because I'm like, wait, what was that? I don't know. It's like fucking. I look it up and it's like this happened in 2016. I'm like, I have a life. I can't be expected to remember minor Rick and Morty plot points from eight, eight years ago or some shit. You know, but uh, it is very very good. And we are still watching. We just started up again. The end is nigh. The Bill Nye, the science guy show on Peacock. That is basically one episode each about different ways the world can end. And, uh, you know, you got to take breaks. And it's it's a little like campy and a little cheesy the way they do it. But it's also very educational. And it's also like really satisfies your need for doom scrolling without looking at your phone. And there's some funny bits. And uh, Seth MacFarlane does a great job. And he also, you know, the guy deserves... uh, 
plaudits for keeping Star Trek people employed when there isn't Star Trek to work on. Uh, right now, Brandon Braga, for example, who is the producer on The Next Generation and is also the producer on The Orville and on this. So, you know, Scott McFarlane, keeping him employed, keeping him employed. Movies. Uh, I think I've talked about most of these. I watched The Perils of Gwendolyn in the Land of the Yik Yak, a sexual romp adventure racist Chinese thing from the 80s. Uh, and then I rewatched Oblivion. And then I watched Belitis, the 70s coming-of-age romantic French film. Uh, it's foreign. It's in French with ample amounts of boobs and uh, blurry, f- blurry lenses, Vaseline on the lens sort of thing. Uh, but it was good. And then uh, I rewatched Total Recall, the original with Schwarzenegger. Much better than I remembered it. Definitely the uh, suffers for poor effects, but it's a good film. The plot is good. Uh, I, I have never seen the remake. I don't know if I should watch it. I was planning on it, and then my friend was like, don't bother. So I don't know. But uh, it hit, you know, hit all the right buttons to rewatch that uh, because it's an HD now on my Plex, by the way. Uh, Blonde on Netflix, the Andrew Dominic film. Uh, Anna de Arnes was very, very good. Actually, all the, all the Adrian Brody's in it. He's very good. The acting is very good. But man, that movie is bad. And I really, really wanted to like it, even after the reviews were coming in that were scathing. And I just, yeah, I'm sorry. Talking fetuses, shots going up vaginas. That sounds like maybe on paper it's great. Like, like uh, it's not bad like um, Southland Tales is bad, as in secretly amazing. Like, it's not. It's just bad. It's just bad. And I'm disappointed. I'm deeply, deeply disappointed. But what are you going to do? Uh, and then Half Cocked, which we already talked about. So that was all the films. One, two, three, four, five, six films. Two films a week-ish I'm doing. You know, I have a kid. I have a job. I still like going to theaters. We will see about Black Panther, I guess. Uh, and then books. Um, I read that 19 Reservoirs book. I think I talked about that last time by Lucy Saint. It's about all the reservoirs in New York City. It was a little bit slight for my tastes. Some research that was interesting to me. I just wish it was a lot deeper. Uh, identity economics, how our identities shape our work, wages, and well-being by George A. Ackerloff and Rachel Cranton, and then, in companion, narrative economics, how stories go viral and drive major economic events by Robert Schiller, winner of the Nobel Prize. These Both these books take sort of common sense failings of rational man economics, homo economicus, and uh, equilibrium classical economics and try to make framework models around things that we know to be true instinctively. One, that our identities and our sense of identity affect our decision-making processes. And two, stories can affect economic events. Like we could have a recession just because everybody thinks a recession is going to happen. Just theoretically, right? Ironically, it was written in 2019. So it was theoretical at the time. But uh, yeah, so they're both very good. And then they both sort of end with like, that's our theory. And it's very hard to empirically prove. And here's some ways we could do that. And maybe you could do that research down the road. So, you know, they're different than normal, more formal economic theories in the sense that A, they're written for the layperson. And B, they're much more like, this is the theory. Here's how we will ultimately prove it empirically, but we are not there yet. Um, I'm glad I read them both. And they both have sort of like relevance to my research and obviously into advertising economics. I'm glad I'm done because especially the narrative economics one definitely dragged towards the end. It has an over-reliance on Google trends to prove its point. I'm sure the points are correct, but it just made me vaguely uncomfortable. And eventually the author acknowledged the limitations. But uh, yeah, and now I'm reading the Nick Cave, Sean O'Hagan interview book, Faith and Carnage, uh, which we'll talk about next time. But so far, actually, I'm liking it more than I thought I would because I've been a little off on Nick Cave lately, but the book is making me come around a little bit more maybe. That was a lot. I'm a little exhausted. I really talked through that really fast. You might want to listen to that one at 75% speed. But thank you for listening. Drop a line. Let me know how you are. Let me know if you want my Plex. Uh, I will talk to you guys in a couple weeks. I hope your Halloween is dandy and farewell. <laughs>